This is episode 62 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Tuesday, June 6, 2023. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the angry programmer with a mic, Ryan Bemrose. It is a beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest right now. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. The squirrels are going nuts out on the deck, literally, where my wife keeps feeding them. And the lumberjacks are masturbating their chainsaws just outside. Hopefully not so loud that it comes through the noise gate, but you've been warned. Uh, This is about week number four of very sunny weather and almost no rain Uh, in the Pacific Northwest, which is not normal for here, especially during spring. We have a a saying around here, April showers brings May showers. Um, The problem, of course, with all the sunny weather is that my webbed toes are drying out. But even worse for the region, um, I haven't actually heard any of the local news faces use the D word for what's going to happen if we don't have any rain. But I can only assume that's because they haven't decided there's enough panic yet to spin it into a doomsday story about climate change which is actually pretty hard to sell when everybody's really busy enjoying an early summer. Today's show is a couple minutes late. Um, I, during my research, I ended up going down a particularly deep and ranty rabbit hole that had me going a little over trying to write up notes uh, regarding a social media network, self-inflicted disaster, a social media network that uh, I got to admit, I'm, I'm a little extra ranty here because I once loved this network and participated heavily in it. However, I've intentionally put that story at the end of today's lineup. So uh, because it's going to get me worked up enough that I won't want to do any other stories afterwards. So be patient and sit through all this other news first. <laughs> From the Digital Archaeology Department, let's start first with a feel-good story. You can finally open those illicit pirated real media archives that were burned to a CD-ROM and have been sitting in a drawer since 1998. Windows 11 now supports RAR files natively, RAR. You know the ones, the first one's called .rar, and then you've got a series of .r01, .r02, .r03. Nobody has any clue how to open because it's just a blank icon in Windows or has been forever. Well, you'll finally be able to open them in Windows Explorer, 25 years after RAR became a fairly common standard. Uh, The TechCrunch article I got this from goes on about the guilt of downloading WinRAR on every computer that they've ever had for years and years and never paying for it, despite it being the biggest piece of throwback annoyware in modern use today. I guess I wouldn't know about WinRAR because I've been using 7-Zip for years, which is free open source, did not annoy me to pay for it, and it's faster and better than Windows Explorer for all archive formats, including RAR. From the Going Paperless Department, HP released an automatic firmware update, bricking thousands of OfficeJet printers. Uh, The update uh, installed automatically on any internet-connected printer in the OfficeJet 9020, 9022, and 9025 series, causing the printers to boot up to a blue screen with 83C0000B 
and a power symbol on there, but more importantly, to not be printing. Uh, the problem was first detected on May 17th. Uh, the company has no fix as of this time. Uh, interestingly, this is unrelated to the Asus AutoBrick update that I talked about last week, except for the part where the update was, yes, in fact, foisted by a company who did not test their updates, pushed it out to all their customers and decided to inconvenience customers who had printers that were working just fine and everything was peachy and there was really no good need to update other than the software programmers were really, really proud that they finished an update and got it shipped out the door. And yes, everybody needs to install it. No, well, I guess we should have tested it. They've been telling us since the early 90s that offices were eventually going to go 100% paperless. I just doubt that most people expected it would happen this way. From the right is wrong department, Tesla announced May 12th that it will cease production of right-hand drive versions of its cars due to, quote, mechanical and logistical complexities. People who want right-hand drive cars uh, can choose from either the ones that are still in stock while supplies last or just take a left-hand drive car. Uh, right-hand drive cars are pretty much used entirely in countries that drive on the left. The biggest ones, about 35% of all the countries in the world or all the people in the world live in countries where you drive on the left side of the road and you sit on the right side of the car. Uh, the biggest ones are the UK, India, Australia, and Japan. As the folklore goes, the driver should always sit on the car side of the car nearest the center line of the road in order to greet or deal with other drivers. Today, greeting and dealing with other drivers, uh, the biggest reason is probably overtaking. Because if you're sitting on the side opposite the center line, you have to get nearly the entire car out into the road before you can see around the big ass semi that's going slow right in front of you. Often cited uh, by people who drive on the left, the, the position allows you to use your dominant right hand, uh, presumably to high five other drivers. Driving on the left uh, back in the day used to let you keep your sword arm free. Uh, I guess in both cases, road high fives and road jousting are still clearly commonplace and drive by sword fights must be common in places like the UK, uh, as common as flashing your headlights today. I don't know. Nowadays, I kind of think we go a little too fast to engage in that kind of sword play at highway speeds. Uh, who doesn't dream of the occasional high speed dismemberment, but Tesla is making sure that if you want to just drive their particular brand of overpriced electric car, you're going to do it from the left side of the car. From the automatic malware updates department. Didn't we just do one of these? Should have reordered these stories. Your weekly reminder that app stores are not as secure as they want you to believe. Security researchers at ESET have called out yet another Trojanized app in the Google Play Store called iRecorder Screen Recorder. Now, malware in the Play Store is not common and normally wouldn't raise to the level of news, but this one was uh, used a fairly uncommon, what I still consider to be an exploit. Uh, the app was initially uploaded to the Play Store in 2021, where Google did their requisite scan of the app and determined that, nope, it does exactly what it says. It records your screen and gives you the file or it records your audio and gives you the MP3 or what it, it, no malware here. It's a good app. Go and uploaded it to the store. Somewhere around August of 2022, an automatic update went out. The update added a custom Trojan based on the open source Ah Myth Trojan, 
uh, which ESET has named the custom version Rat uh, for Android Remote Access Trojan. Uh, with the update, the Innocent Screen Recorder gained the ability to turn on your microphone at any time as requested by the bot owner, record up to a minute of audio, take screenshots every 10 seconds, possibly hoping that a password or sensitive message was displayed, uh, upload all of that to a bot's C2 server, and also for the bot owner to, if wanted, open up a remote shell into the Linux environment on your device. Google does not scan app updates for malware, at least not very well. Uh, this wasn't a new app. It didn't get the thorough scan. It didn't get the thorough check. It just went into the store as an update. Further updates, by the way, customized and refined the surveillance and data gathering abilities uh, to make it do worse things, make it harder to detect, etc. cetera. Uh, because it was already a recorder app, this app required no new permissions on your phone. It already had the ability to record audio, take screenshots, read and write all your media files, copy files to and from your phone, uh, if you originally, and the, the nefarious part of this is if you originally installed the clean version of the app, you never even had to launch the app again. Just having it installed and never touching it is enough. Screen recorders have permission to run in the background. Auto updates do the rest. You've never launched this. If you've never launched this since 2021, it auto update, it runs in the background. It steals all your files and listens to everything you do. So yes, if you've got your phone on the bedside table while you're doing adult things in the bedroom, there's now a recording of that on some botmaster's computer somewhere. So yeah, your weekly reminder, you don't need to launch apps for them to be a danger now in the or in the future. If you have apps you're not running, uninstall them. Or alternatively, exercise some impulse control and don't install them in the first place but I might be asking too much. From the All Things Encrypted department, citing the ubiquity of HTTPS, a move which Google itself forced on the internet during or when their browsers started marking unencrypted HTTP sites as unsafe and turning the act of putting up a hobbyist website heretofore a decentralized expression of freedom of information into a huge pain in the ass with certificates and authentication chains and corporate gatekeepers. Google is now declaring victory over unencrypted HTTP. They are now retiring the lock icon from Chrome. The lock icon was first introduced in the nineties by Firefox and adopted by internet Explorer as a way to say that a site was encrypted and therefore secure to send secrets over. Um, at the time, the only sites that were encrypted were the ones that needed it. Uh, what, what the lock actually means, HTTPS, is simply that your data is encrypted. Okay, more on that later. Uh, the only sites that needed this at the beginning were sites like banks where important information had to be encrypted to defend against man-in-the-middle attacks or internet traffic sniffers. Nowadays, though, thanks mainly to the efforts of Google and their near monopoly on the Chrome browser, almost everything on the web is encrypted from the text of the public blog post that I got this story from to the static banner and navigation button images on every page, clearly sensitive information that could be disastrous in the wrong hands, except that Google's handing it out to anyone who wants it. In their blog, Google says that over 95% of internet sites use HTTPS and that most users do not understand what the HTTPS lock icon means anymore. They do point out that the lock icon and the uh, a encrypted connection that it suggests give no indication of the trustworthiness of a connection. 
when the lock icon is active, it means you are connected to the site that it says you're connected to and that nobody in the middle can access that unless you've got a, well, we'll, we'll talk about those attacks some other time. What it does say nothing about though, is whether or not that site is going to steal your data. For example, an encrypted connection to malware.com. If that's a site, if it's not a site, somebody registered already, uh, is still going to be malicious. Even if you're encrypted, uh, I, anyway, it's, <laughs> so it says nothing about the, whether the site is going to steal your data and sell it to a target to sell it and target to you with ads should have written these notes better or had less coffee. No, no, that's blasphemy. Less coffee is a crime. This confusion is why, for example, everything phishing, every phishing site on the internet will damn sure have that icon, even while your local hobby club lets their certificate expire sometimes out of neglect. So Google is removing the padlock icon starting in Chrome 117. Come to think of it, I wonder how many people even know what a padlock is these days, especially the ones who never get out of the house. Who uses a padlock anymore? I have a shed out back that has one, but it's all rusted. I don't even know if it opens. Google is replacing the icon with what they call a tune icon, uh, which does not look anything like a tune. I would have expected a note, but I guess they, they mean for to tune the browser. They call it a neutral indicator made up of circles and lines that resembles to me a couple dudes who've had their eyes poked out, or at least an emoticon of one. Uh, Google calls it a neutral indicator that prevents the misunderstanding that the lock icon is associated with the trustworthiness of a page and emphasizes that security should be the default state in Chrome. Google claims the icon is more intuitive as a control and thus much more obvious that it is clickable, which the original icons were never clickable. Uh, Google is just trying to surface the functionality that their browser decided to hide behind the lock icon years and years ago. So in other words, Google is taking the lock icon away and has invented another hamburger menu. From the hearing the mother, hearing motherfucking effing voices department. Screwed that one up too, but that's okay. You get the idea. According to The Verge, you can no longer purchase the celebrity voices of Samuel L. Jackson, Shaquille O'Neal, and Melissa McCarthy to replace Alexa, the voice of the Amazon Echo. Possibly others too. I can't verify which other voices are for sale because they're no longer for sale. Even if you paid for them, those voices are going to be disabled on your Echo. Starting tomorrow, June 7th, according to Amazon's site, whisked away from your device and replaced with the default Alexa voice, further proving that when you pay real money for goods in a digital library, you're not buying anything, you're only renting. Dame Bemrose has an Alexa over my objections, and uh, she went out and got the Sam Jackson voice, which she really enjoyed and entertained the hell out of her for like five minutes after which um, she really just uses it to play audiobooks, so I don't hear that voice very often. I asked her what she thought about this story, and she said, eh, I got some laughs out of it. 49 cents well spent. If you bought a celebrity voice for your Amazon Echo, I hope you too got your 49 cents worth of use out of it. Because remember, it's not yours if the company who sold it to you can take it away at their whim. But I digress a little bit. It's been a couple months since I ranted at length about digital libraries. If you're a regular listener to this show, you probably don't need me to rant again. Although, come to think of it, if you do need me to rant again, go listen to Angry Tech News number 54 and my coverage of Steam disabling all services on older computers. I got a little excited there. Some, aka The Verge, 
take this move as a signal that Amazon is sacrificing its Alexa product, presumably to be reborn later with a sleek new body and the soul of ChatGPT. From the end of Clippy V2 department, Microsoft has quietly revealed that it will stop supporting Cortana in Windows 10 and Windows 11 later this year. According to a Microsoft support document, we are making some changes to the Windows that will impact users of Cortana app. Starting in late 2023, we will no longer support Cortana in Windows as a standalone app. Even back in 2019, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella admitted that Cortana was not able to compete with other personal assistant bots like Alexa. He didn't give the reason for that, but you can just assume that it's because Microsoft is not very good at making user interfaces or something. Even hot video game chicks cannot compete with the awesomeness of Samuel L. Jackson, I think is the takeaway here. The best part of this announcement for most of you is when they said that Cortana will no longer be pinned to the taskbar when you install Windows or repinned when you take an update or when you reboot or when you accidentally move the mouse across the taskbar, no matter how many times you remove that damn icon. But still, some of you might be saddened by the passing of Cortana. Worry not, the opinionated assistant with video game voice will still remain in Microsoft Office and Teams. And the part you've all been waiting for from the next death spiral department, by far the biggest tempest of the week on the social networks. Well, on one social network, one which for the people embroiled in its culture is a matter of life and death and other flavors of drama happened on Reddit. Reddit decided last week to charge for API access. Uh, the rates that they announced were 24 cents per thousand API calls, which is actually really crazy high. This, by the way, came on the week of, or the wake of Twitter deciding to charge for API access, which admittedly caused a great deal of stir in the Twitter space, but not as much as Reddit. Uh, other parts of the announcement apps, uh, you know, uh, Reddit apps are no longer allowed to show ads to offset the cost of their API calls. And uh, NSFW content, anything marked 18 plus or effectively anything not advertiser friendly is straight up no longer available via the API. Uh, the only way that you can get ads in Reddit anymore is the web or the official Reddit app, both of which are controlled by Reddit, the company. This move, as you can expect, jacking up the API rates kills free apps. Uh, not the Reddit official app, which is free, of course, but every other app, every third party app, every app not operated by the company itself is now going to have to pay exorbitant rates for the API calls are, are not going to be able to offset those in any way by apps. Uh, this was confirmed in, uh, uh, confirmed by the developers or communities surrounding the following Reddit apps, all of which have said, if this goes through, we are going to have to shut off our apps. Apollo, Reddit is fun. Relay, Narwhal, Bacon Reader, Red Planet, Reddit Sync, Infinity, Joey, Red Reader, Pager, Boost, and Slide. All of these apps were listed in as communities who said the app is going to just go away. You cannot, you won't be able to use it with Reddit anymore. We cannot pay Reddit this much, especially when we can't even play ads. Um, 
It, the developer of Apollo actually made uh, pretty big headlines this week when uh, he calculated, and this, I, I say pretty big headlines, it was picked up by every tech blog from, from the Register to the Verge, Stars Technica, anyway. Uh, he calculated that at the current level of users and the current API load of the Apollo app, which is at this point the most popular app for use on Reddit, I think it's more popular than the official one, it would cost him $1.7 million a month or $20 million a year to pay Reddit for their API calls. As he said, even if I only kept subscription users and jettisoned all of the free users, the average Apollo user uses 344 requests per day, which would cost $2.50 per month, which is over double what the subscription currently costs. So I'd be in the red every single month. Now, the problem is that the, the ultimate problem, at least, you know, from the perspective of the users is they can't really move to the official app because it sucks. Uh, in many cases, they, uh, one of the moderators says, in many cases, these apps offer superior mod tools, customization, streamlined interfaces, and other quality of life improvements that the official app does not offer. In addition, the other thing that the API change is going to do is completely kill bots who require the API, obviously, because for the most part, they're not reading the website. The alternative to bots, by the way, is scraping. If you want to operate a bot, apparently you are now expected to scrape the website because the API costs so damn much. But even worse than that, the content, the 18 plus sites, the NSFW, the, you know, not, not just porn, but also the, the artsy type of uh, subreddits, will no longer be able to use bots or mod tools in any way, shape or form because they will not be able to use the API. This obviously encourages scraping. If you want any of the tools you've been using forever to work, um, the biggest people who are against this move are obviously the moderators because there are no useful mod tools on the website or in the official Reddit app. And there's a whole, there's dozens of mod tools that have been made to deal with Reddit's very stringent moderation requirements around their communities and the fact that there's crap for tools and all the moderators are volunteers. Now, just to add some context to this, um, Reddit is talking about an IPO at the end of 2023. The company was valued in August of 2021 at $10 billion, although that might not be as much. And I can see why the company might be in trying to any scheme possible in order to try to raise their revenues so that they look good to investors for an IPO. Uh, the problem of course, with that is, uh, they're going the wrong way. Uh, one story, according to Fidelity, who, uh, invested a $28 million stake in August of 2021 into Reddit. They currently value that at $16 million, which is a 41% drop since 2021, not going the right way. In the thread where the big controversy happened, uh, one Reddit employee said, well, this is less than a dollar a month for a reasonably operated app, um, which by the way, when you multiply by the number of users of an app can still be a thing, but uh, also said Apollo as an app is less efficient than its peers and at times has been excessive, probably because it's been free to do so or because it's the most popular app because it has features your official app doesn't have anyway. So in response, uh, over a hundred subreddits are planning on protesting this in the way that subreddits always do. They are going to go dark 
on June 12th to protest the API changes. Some of the biggest ones involved are r slash videos, reaction gifts, earth porn, and life pro tips who have announced they are going to take a 48 hour timeout, just shut off and ban all users from the entire subreddit starting June 12th for 48 hours in the announcement about the boycott or the, the protest. Uh, it says some will return after 48 hours and others will go away permanently unless the issue is adequately addressed. Since many moderators aren't able to put in the work that they do to with the poor tools available through the official app, like I said, so the last part of this story has to do with me. The very first part that I read, uh, becoming slightly triggered. So if you don't like rants, then why the heck are you listening to this podcast? Um, Steve Huffman, the current CEO and co-founder of Reddit in the official announcement said, uh, was obviously talking to shareholders and said, well, the Reddit corpus of data is really valuable. There's a lot of stuff on the site that you'd only ever say in therapy or AA or never at all, but we don't need to give all that value to some of the largest companies in the world for free. Um, yes, yes, you kind of do. Cause that was the deal. When you got the data, you asked, uh, when people said that stuff, they did not think that there would be strings attached. You didn't make that content. Mr. Huffman, your users did with the expectation that you wouldn't be taking their content and sticking it behind a paywall. Now you're altering the deal. Pray you don't alter it any further. Huffman goes on more than any other place on the internet. Reddit is a home for authentic conversation. I, I choked on my coffee. I had to, this is no. Okay. Full disclosure. I abandoned Reddit as a social network several years ago because of their horrific, politically one-sided censorship regime. Reddit is made up of a very large number of subreddits in theory, independent communities built around each one, a particular group or theme managed and moderated by members of the community itself. This sounds like a wonderful distribute distributed system, but the admins of the site do reserve the right to step in and overrule community moderators who don't toe the line and censor anything that doesn't follow Reddit's community standards, a long and convoluted list of intolerable thought crimes that gets longer with every update. For example, Reddit bans anything resembling violent speech, hate speech, discrimination, or harassment, each category wide and vague enough to cover almost anything anybody says. So as long as there's a snowflake somewhere willing to come forward and claim to have been harassed, they will ban it under their terms of service. Even this as incompatible as it is with the concept of freedom of speech, an idea that by the way, Reddit co-founder Aaron Swartz, an ardent civil rights activist and unflagging proponent of free speech, uh, Aaron Swartz, whose name and role in founding the social network has been retroactively erased from the site as if to distance themselves from such a deplorable person and his unconscionable beliefs. Aaron Swartz would certainly be rolling in his grave to see what has been done with his free speech haven. But even so, this is a level of censorship that, while chilling and anathema to the open exchange and ideas, would at least be acceptable to most people in 2023 who have been sitting in the boiling frog water forever, considering that it's how all major Silicon Valley social media companies operate. Well, of course you don't say what you really mean, because the fact checkers will get you. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's well understood that saying anything with even a hint of human conflict will get you a stern reprimand from the platform censorship division. But Reddit takes it a step further. 
mixing unabashed political bias with a staggering degree of unprofessionalism from their own admin team, including having been caught admins deleting and modifying posts. They, this, this actually happened. Um, I didn't write down the citation, but uh, one of the admins went in and used direct database rights to go around the logging and auditing mechanism of the moderation so that they wouldn't get caught and just changed the text of someone's post over and over again because they wanted to mess with them. And by the way, it was for political reasons. This, I believe, was during the 2016 election cycle. Uh, admins have also delisted, then shadow banned, and then outright banned whole communities for the crime of catering to conservatives, most notably one called r slash the Donald, which, as you might guess, uh, catered to Trump. The original home of all the Donald Trump love in the world was on Reddit until it became intolerable to the admins who clearly do not understand the concept of neutrality. And they, like I said, delisted it from the all, then they shadow banned it, and then they just banned it entirely. All the while allowing and tacitly encouraging subs dedicated to violent terrorist groups such as Antifa and BLM. Also, overlooking or ignoring rampant racism, hate speech, and violent speech as long as it's directed at whites, males, and Republicans. Anyway, there's no evidence that they backed off trying to turn every place on the site into a safe space for fragile woke communists while making the environment as chilling and hostile as possible to anyone who has entertained a conservative idea. The operative word here is chilling. Under this regime of censorship and political persecution, every single person who posts on the site must, consciously or not, police their own speech before it's even spoken. If you want to stay unbanned, you must check and double check before hitting that post button that you haven't said anything that might arouse the ire, arouse the ire of a fickle and biased moderation team. This kind of self-censorship is the very definition of a chilling effect on speech, which results in time in a chilling effect on thought itself, forcing people to self-censor every single word that they speak. This, Mr. Huffman, is about as far from authentic speech as you can possibly get. A few months ago, I did some in-depth analysis about Netflix bringing their user-hostile policies for the purpose of nickeling and diming users and bringing their revenues up a few percentage points. I called this the beginning of their death spiral because for every dollar these policies bring in extra revenue this quarter, they lose twice that much in every future quarter in the form of lost users. Reddit is the next company heading down this route. Or this route. I predict their death spiral, which has started and been slow for years now with meddlesome woke admins, partisan censorship, and constant site redesigns that remove functionality is accelerating. With this move, they are pissing off the site's most fervent supporters, the community moderators, without whom Reddit would be in the dustbin of history right next to Dig, MySpace, and the original Slashdot. Having abandoned the site long ago, I'm not going to miss anything. I wish you luck, all of the people who still like Reddit, that site's going down. Angry thanks out to Michael Meineke and to Sharky for their fiat support of Angry Tech News and to the following people who boosted streaming Satoshi's uh, NA Millennial quote for the Aces story. It happened to me. If you recall last week, uh, we did a story about an Aces router, which decided to lock up and you reboot it and you got a couple minutes. Uh, that must have been terrible. And I'm sorry for you. Uh, from Phoenix, who says, keeping the rage on the air. 
from C Brooklyn says best AI coverage. If you recall last week, I did not cover any AI uh, from Joel W from MRMR. Is that Mr. Mr. Uh, saying stay angry. Glad your note is working boost uh, from memes. 1336 saying leet boost. Stay angry. Rage against the tech. Call out the dumb in the field and spread the news from a white white a white Mike saying trying this shit out. It worked white Mike. Uh, and from Sir TJ, the wrathful who says, I always look forward to listening to your show, especially while working my POS job helps the time go by. And it's a nice mix up in the flow of my other faves. Angry tech news is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors. We don't play ads and we do not charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. If you received some value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click on the donate button. Send what this episode was worth to you, whether it's $5, $25, or even the cost of using the Reddit API. That's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the angry programmer with a mic. I'll be back next week with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer, Ryan Bemrose, at angrytechnews.com. Stay angry. Stay angry. Stay.